I'm spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I am Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. And we are coming around the corner from Thanksgiving. Well, in America. I'm originally Canadian. We already had Thanksgiving up there, but we're going to have Thanksgiving down here really soon. So I had this fantastic idea for a show. But before I talk to you about that, don't forget. Oh, I was going to say, don't forget to stay to the end of the show where we will have stories from the road. But, actually, what I'm about to unveil before your very ears will explain how the entire show is going to be stories from the road. I wanted to do something special for Thanksgiving. I like the concept of of Thanksgiving. I like the concept of Halloween. I like the concept of of Christmas. I like the concept of Hanukkah. I like I like the concept of all these things in that I like it when people are invited to be generous. When people are invited to just take a break out of their pattern, out of their normal everyday living situation, and pay attention to something new and fresh and different. I like when uh, little children are allowed to go house to house to house and say trick-or-treat or Halloween apples or whatever's in fashion in that part of the world. And people come out and they give them sweets and they're sweet to them and they say, oh, you're so cute. I like all that. I don't like some of the mess that happens as a result of it. And I don't like the controversy that are actually not controversy, but the incongruency. I don't like the incongruency of telling your kids, you know, you absolutely should never go and take candy from strangers, um, especially if they're wearing a mask and trying to scare you. But regardless, you're not supposed to do it. And then saying, but today it's okay. So um, there's always the bit of incongruency in every single holiday. There's, you know, the we we tell the kids and the, get the kids out of the room if you're telling them these fairy tales because we tell them that you know Santa Claus Santa Claus is coming to town, but actually it's us, and uh, and so we lie to them and then later we you know unlie. <laughs> And we get them to perpetuate this on into the next generation and the generation after that while um, asking them not to lie to us. Then we tell them, you know, actually do lie in these circumstances, but don't lie in these circumstances. And life is super, super, super confusing for kids, and we are really the reason for that. So Thanksgiving's coming, and I thought, well, let's do something really neat. Because one of the one of the issues that I have and that you know people have issue with me about is my attitude about autism, my attitude about brain disorders. Clear something up. 
I don't actually like autism in that I don't feel like I should run out and get some for people. You know, it's not something that I want to uh, pass on to everyone in the world. I don't want people to have more sensory challenges than they should. I don't want cognition to be hard for folks. I don't want speaking to be hard. I don't want you know, any of that. But life's full of challenges. And so if you have challenges, you have a choice. You can accept that challenge, take it on, and say, okay, this is who I am, where I am, and what I am. What do I want to do with that? Or you can constantly fight for someone else to do something about it because you wish it wasn't this way. And I think that there's value in both positions, actually. I have never been the one to do the second thing. I don't feel like it's my place to go run and shake my fist at the government in order to get them to make changes because the government makes changes too slowly. And as it makes the changes, it has to water down the changes in order to make everybody as happy as humanly possible in order to get voted in again. And, like, it just gets all convoluted. And so I want change to happen quickly. It's why I have a show called Fix It in Five. Because I want to be able to come in somewhere and make a difference in three to five days, enough of a difference that you can see positive change, you can see possibility, you know that that life's, you know, not just this big hopeless tragedy. And um, and I want you to see me do that because then you'll know that you can do it and I want to pass that. I want to pass the, the skills and the ability and the hope and the awareness. So if I were to rail my fists at the government, I might even get some stuff done, but it would be such a small amount of stuff um, that would have a wide reach, but it would be a small amount of stuff and, and might not even be very effective by the time whatever bill got passed that I spent my life trying to get passed. So I don't do that. I'm so glad some people do. I, I, I appreciate you. I honor you. I give you gratitude on this Thanksgiving week. I, I really know that I would never be that person. And if people who are like that don't exist for us, then, you know, nothing gets done at the government level. Nothing gets done at the higher corporate level. Nothing gets done. So we need people who will stir stuff up and who will stay committed to a cause in that way without the immediate results that I'm used to getting. I'm an immediate results person, so it's not going to be me doing that, and thank you for being the one that does. Those of you who are like me and like immediate results, then there is something we have to become aware of, and that is that all this incongruency in our home with our belief systems and the way that we we raised our kids plays out. It plays out into the end of the story. So... Let's start with why I'm doing all the talking and why I said Stories from the Road was going to be the whole show. I thought, wow, let's make let's make a Thanksgiving show of many voices. So I invited uh, all kinds of people. I sent out personal invitations and I said, now I gave them a short window of time in case I got a big response, <laughs> which you know, egg on my face because <laughs> I got a zero response. I sent out personal invitations. I put it on Facebook. I put it everywhere. This is the number to call. This is the time to call. And let's just make it many, many voices of gratitude saying, here's what I love and about my child's autism in the way that it's blessed us. And, you know, I get it. I get that we don't really feel like, wow, how great Thank goodness we got autism most of the time. But 
how you perceive a thing, how you embrace it, how you choose to um how you choose to see it, how you, whether you see yourself as grappling with a horrible disorder or where you, whether you see yourself as just having a challenge to overcome, decide whether or not you'll overcome. So let's, let's, let's analyze that for a minute. I was asked yesterday, and I was too late with this response, so it didn't go into the article that was being written, so I can share it here. I was asked for my opinion on how fate affects people when they grieve. And when I answered that, I thought, what a great example this is for helping people to understand that healing, that health, is a series of choices. And that's all. And that there's no end point to that, that you can get health healthy, healthier, healthier, healthier. (laughs) You can talk really well. You can talk minimally. You can talk so well that you have the largest vocabulary and you're still going to be looking stuff up in the dictionary. So there's always room for improvement no matter where you are on a trajectory. So let's look at this idea of fate. If you, and we're talking about fate and how it affects people in regards to death grieving or approaching death. And so what I was explaining and what I'd like to point out here, because then we can sort of elucidate the idea that if you're not grateful for your situation, if you're not saying thanks to it, and then saying, what do I want to change? You will have made very different choices than if you are. I don't know better or worse here, but definitely different. So let's look at fate because it's simple. So if you believe in fate and somebody just died of cancer, say, that you love very much, and you had to make choices during that dying period, you had to make choices whether they should do you know, alternative medicine or, or mainstream medicine or try a research project or whatever choices you made along the way, as far as the dying is concerned and the moment of death, you will have no guilt regardless of the choices you made because that was fated. So where fate in this example is a blessing, believing in fate uh, is a blessing, is in the aftermath, in the aftermath of the death. So you can have somebody die and you can go, oh, that was faded. And you can have all the feelings you want, but you know that it's not your fault. You can't do anything about it. It didn't matter what you did. Um, this was when they were going to die. Now, where that might be a problem <laughs> and not a blessing is before the death. Because before the death, you might approach it. You, you might be the one with the cancer, and you might approach it that it's irrelevant what you do. There's no point in trying because you're going to die if you're fated to die and you're not going to die if you're not fated to die. And so now the choices that you make away might hurry the circumstance, assuming there's not really such a thing as fate, of course. This example has to have that as an assumption or it won't work. So let's just assume there's not such a thing as fate, but that because somebody believed in fate, they ended up not doing a particular uh 
prescription or, uh, you know, diet or, or whatever it was because fate was just going to decide it for them anyway. So fate, in this case, the belief in fate, defines how quickly you die, perhaps. So the reason I like this example is because it's really, really messy to walk into somebody's full life, and they're in the midst of everything, and they're taking the kids to school, and they're trying to get the raise, and their husband is, you know, upset with them, with the wife maybe because, um, you know, she was grouchy this morning, and he was just trying to be nice, or or she forgot his birthday, gosh forbid it shoe on the other foot and you know whatever it is it's all messy and everybody's trying to deal with their feelings and their thoughts and their things and it's kind of hard to tell sometimes where your beliefs and choices are are contaminating the issues and the challenges within your home and they're actually keeping those challenges and issues and illnesses in place and they're reinforcing them so i'm often teaching about how we in the way that the educational system and in the way that the medical system and in the way that many of these systems that are there to try and even the the funds that we try to get from different government programs um, how they reinforce the autism and they reinforce it in, in so many ways that almost build it out of out of this original physiological issue they they almost build the rest of the symptoms for the family and and stick you in this mess um, out of good intentions but it's really hard to explain because there's so many ways in which that's happening when i just looked at these this question of fate around dying it was so much simpler to just say look if you believe in fate you'll make different decisions and you might die sooner you might actually die later, too. You know, you might be courageous about it and try any old thing and stumble across some cure because you know that fate's going to decide it anyway, so you're just there for the journey. But it will definitely affect your thinking and your choosing. And so at least I could isolate it with this example into the way in which you could have dire consequences or amazing, miraculous consequences. So now take that and think about that in in the world of autism and in the world of seeing autism as an opportunity and finding the gift in it and then building from there. That might actually not work out so good. You know, maybe if you do it that way, you end up going, well, everything is beautiful and it's awesome and I love it the way it is and it doesn't have to change. And then, you know, you find yourself 15 years later going, well, I kind of wish it would have changed because I'm in this mess and I can't get out unless I make some big choice like put my child in an institution or something. And you don't want to end up in that place. So thinking that everything is beautiful and accepting and, and being gorgeous with your child who has autism and seeing autism as the blessing has as many problems attached to it as seeing it as a tragedy does. Because if you see it as a blessing, you bring the tragedy with you. If you see it as a tragedy, you bring the blessing with you. There's just no getting around it. Okay. So what do you do? You have to do both. You have to remember that it's a series of choices. You have to be true to yourself. And I'm going to get specific. 
let's start with today. So I, I put out this invitation to have many voices of gratitude and joy, and I thought if lots of people or even two people called to share their story, um, we could give them sort of a platform to do that in, but we could also sort of play with this concept that I'm all by myself playing with because nobody called. So... Um, I loved the idea, you know, of people that I don't, maybe don't even know, but that follow me on Facebook or something, just calling up and saying, this is my child and this is what, what they bring to, to my world that is beautiful. Yes, they bring challenges, but we wanted to look at the beautiful part. And the reason for that is when you take a minute, and this is why I love these holidays that do a pattern interrupt and say, take a minute. Take a minute and think of the veteran. Take a minute and, and remember your neighbor will be generous and playful with your kids. Um, take a minute and, and you know, send, send your uh, thoughts to the spirit world, to the, to the deities, to the whatever your belief system. Um, just take a minute. And I like the idea of take a minute and, and give gratitude to what is. And I like it best of all because... When you take a minute to give gratitude to what is, you are filled with energy, peace, a sense of being centered, the opportunity to see what is. And from this place, you can decide what you want to do next. And if you don't take a minute or a whole day, every once in a while, You'll be too busy fighting to actually make the difference that you want to make. You'll end up making more mess. So uh, how do I know that? <laughs> well, I did have a lot of kids, and I did do it every which way. And whenever I forgot to take a minute, I recreated in them the mess that was inside me. So I was looking on Facebook. Um, Facebook's a great source of being connected to other parents, and so I'm often checking to see what's going on for people there. And uh, there was a, a video clip of someone who was very frustrated with the situation with her child, and she's having a really hard time. And he's a big boy, and um, she's trying to get all these programs, and she's just really frustrated trying to get the programs to happen and people to see the challenges. And so she, you know, put up a clip of him uh, having a behavior, but his behavior, at least for the clip that we see, is nice. I mean, there's nothing other than he's being weird, and autism's got weird in it. So, you know, he was walking back and forth and throwing a a little cap or something. Um, But, you know, not breaking things, not screaming, not trying to choke anyone, not throwing chairs, not, you know, not on the ground screaming, just doing this behavior. And I I know there's more to the story. I've lived with this stuff. But what I can tell you is that when somebody is so busy looking to try to get everyone else to see how hard it is, how terrible it is, you end up seeing everything as hard and terrible. And you don't take a minute to say, oh, this isn't a big deal right now. This is just him doing something sensory to help himself. You don't have that anymore because now you're busy seeing how hard it is. That's what you're wearing. It's really hard glasses. And that's all you can see. It's also all your child can feel. 
So your child sees you see them that way. And then they become harder to deal with. What I would love to gift to you today is the opportunity to put on, see what's beautiful here, glasses. See why it's not a problem. See why it's not a tragedy, at least not today, or at least not this minute. When we try in our world to get money, we do it by saying, what was me? I need help. Most of the time. That's what we're taught to do. That's what many of the foundations do. That's how the parents rally. I'm sure many of you do it as well. It's how everybody gets together and says, let's fix this horrible thing, this tragedy. And please understand, I I want to fix it too. But we get energy when we love. We are strong. We are tough. We are tough like Sydney. We are able to flex and move with all the challenges that show up and not break when we love. When we stay in gratitude for what is and we keep the energy to change what we want to change. It's not done by anger and and backstabbing and frustration. Those things deplete your energy. They give you a surge of energy and then they deplete you. You are exhausted afterwards. You have to recuperate. Your body falls apart. You get sick. It's it's not the way to help things. So I'm going to close on this little story from the road, which happened yesterday. I was talking with a mom, and she's having a hard time, and her child has you know, really gotten affected by a strong dose of Tourette's that was onset, at least the extremeness of it was onset by a trauma that happened, and so now... He's really struggling, and so she's really struggling because when he's really struggling, she's really struggling, and he's another big guy, and this one is, is you know, hitting and doing stuff, and so it's really hard. And uh, and we were talking and talking about the ways in which we contaminate the situation, we bring our energy to the situation, and how often all I do is just bring a still energy into the room and wait for the still the stillness that I'm bringing into the room to become contagious and everyone to sort of become more still. And it works really well. Anyone who's ever had a baby knows that. You just forget it as everyone gets older. But when the baby needs you to be a still energy so they can fall asleep, you do it. You do it instinctively. You know how. You can continue to do that for somebody who's having a hard time. Just Still your energy, bring it into the room, and it will still. So we were talking about these kinds of concepts, and and I've been supportive to her for, you know, several days running. And she just gave me a beautiful diatribe of how, how kind and loving I was. But she, what she said was very interesting to me. She said, you know, a lot of people can misunderstand you, and they think you're so tough, and, you know, you're so – and I'm thinking, oh, here we go again. <laughs> Because, yeah, story of my life, um, everyone thinks I can handle it, so they let me handle it. Or I have, when I was a kid, it happened. When I was a young adult, it's happening as I'm moving towards retirement. Um, and, I, so, you know, so I thought about that, and I thought about how she was trying to share that she, you know, just thought I was the kindest, sweetest person, and everyone just thought I was so tough, and I didn't ask for who everyone was because at the time and the two grandchildren were 
you know, squished between the seats of the car, so I'm trying to disentangle them, and one's crying, and I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to pass love all over the car, all over, <laughs> you know, my son who is, has been sick is just barely better, and, and so I'm keeping an eye on him, and, and, uh, and so I finally, I, you know, I had to go because I had to prioritize my own backyard, so to speak. And, uh, and then I thought about it after everything got settled out in the, in the car, driving, by the way. <laughs> and, um, so I, I, I thought about it and I thought, you know, it's so funny how the world equates the word tough with, well, my, my youngest son would have equated it with the Terminator, so let's go there. They equate it with fighter, the person who's feisty. Even in, in all the TV shows, when they're trying to show that you're the tough one, you put your arms in the folded over chest position and you keep your face in a stern expression. And I refuse to do that stuff. I try to keep it laughing and light. But it's because it's the people that keep it laughing and light, but keep their eye on the ball, that stay loving, that have really been the tough ones in our world, in our history. I, I sat there and I thought of Jesus on the cross, of uh, Gandhi over and over again in his imprisonment. And, and I mean, once I started thinking like that, every really strong leader came to mind. And every single one of them got their strength out of love and acceptance. They didn't stand with their arms across their <laughs> chest and give a stern expression. That's television. That's movies. That's our make-believe on how we, you know, we want to see it out there so we can stop thinking it inside us. But the real leaders, the really strong people, the ones who really help their children and help their neighbor and help their world, they're loving. And they don't walk around saying, it's a tragedy. They walk around saying, come this way. This is the way out. <coughs> With that in mind, <laughs> many years ago, I left um, my two biological daughters behind while I went to do my first movie. And while I was on set, I was so lonely for them that I wrote a song. <laughs> and... It's old, it, you know, I had many children after that and, and had to write songs to, to, <laughs> to include them. But I think it's a beautiful thing to go out on because I want to remind you that um, your children are your pearls. They are the gift for you. children that I long to touch, may your wishes all come true, let the heavens open wide, my dear, see the stars, the sun, the moon, let these wonders wipe away your fear, we'll be together very soon, very soon I'll be home with you. Hard to bear. 
monsters make you cry. Don't worry, I'm just gonna be there. See, close to you, I'll be close to you. Close to you, I'll be close to you. Oh, my children, it is I who need. I need the love you give to me. Oh, my children, I supply the sea. But you present to me the key For the wonders that you give For the life that I can live For the joy, for the tears I thank you, my dears Cause you see, you've been good to me Cause you see, you've been good to me For the times that we've cried And the times that we've laughed For the tears that subside And the joy that you've Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism, and The Wingmaker. Both of them will land you in the world of knowing how to love and do it with action. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad, and this is a new spin on autism. Me, all alone, giving you answers. Thanks for being here, because without you, I'd definitely be talking to myself today. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of A New Spin on Autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself, I can't hear.